0: Okay. Like I said, my name is uh, Kirk Cooper. I'm the youth minister at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Montgomery, Alabama. It's my second church that I, uh, where I've worked uh, since I've been ordained. Uh, previously, I worked at a church, uh, Lawndale Presbyterian Church in Tupelo, Mississippi, which is also my hometown, uh, or I'm from all over the place. I was born in South Carolina. I've lived in, my dad was in the Air Force, so I've lived in Louisiana, South Carolina, Mississippi, and now I live in Alabama, so I'm like a Georgia short of a redneck bingo. So that, that's an old joke, but I've lived in a lot of, I've lived in the Deep South my whole life, and my, you're gonna see that my context, uh, it really does shape a lot of things that we do, and I know that people minister in different contexts, and so if your context is different, that's fine. But I hope that what we talk about today uh, will be uh, beneficial to you. We're going to talk about one-to-one ministry. And the first thing I want to do is I want to tell you about the first time that I came to Youth Leader Training. Uh, It was many years ago. They had it at Twin Lakes in Jackson, Mississippi. And that facility is not nearly as nice as this one. So you can be thankful for that. There are a lot fewer people there. Um, And I was newly ordained, new at Lawndale. This church... Lawndale, great church. They had never really had a full-fledged youth ministry. They had an insane amount of children in like third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade for their size. Um, And so they knew that something was going to have to happen for them. So uh, they foolishly hired me and they said, You know, we want you to just create the youth ministry. And that's way too much power for me or really anyone to have. Uh, And I didn't really know what I was doing. And it's a miracle that I didn't drive it into the ditch. But only by God's grace did I not drive it into the ditch. But I had three things that I was sure were going to make me a success. All right. Three things. I knew that if we had... That, and First of all, I knew that what success was was numbers, that I had to grow this youth group in numbers, both from within the church and then also outside, that numbers mattered. And anyone who said they didn't, they were full of it. And, you know, they don't let the people from the small churches teach the electives. You've got to be at a big church, you know, I mean, like, whatever it is, like, that's where we get the glory, because that's the gospel, right? I mean, our own personal glory. But I'm also pretty sarcastic. You're going to pick that up in a second. But, so I knew that numbers were everything. The second thing I knew is that programs were, were also everything and that we had to have, we had to play cool games, this is something I was already good at. I really liked being in charge of games. I can come up, I've come, I can come up with better games than most people. Some of them are not even borderline dangerous, but actually dangerous. One of the first games I played at Lawndale, we called it hostage. <laughs> and what we did, is we took like three girls and we gave them a car and we gave them one of the boys with a hood over his head (laughs) and three boys and one girl with a hood over her head all right and we said you can you have to be back in 20 minutes without the hostage so the furthest away you can go is 10 minutes we let we leave the hostage there with someone to sit with them with, with an adult to sit with them but and the the, the hostage has a cell phone with no numbers in it. And th- so they have to figure out how to call their team and see who can bring back their hostage and hide them or whatever. It's so dumb. The, uh, it's such a dumb idea. Uh, but it's it really fun too, so <laughs> whatever. No, uh, I do not. So Lawyers have ruined everything. But so I did that. I knew that we had to play cool games It had to be cool. I was determined. I grew up in a tradition in which if I liked music and it wasn't by Stephen Curse Chapman, then I was a sinner. And so I, like, really rebelled against that Uh, when I became a minister. I was like, I'm going to be a cool youth minister. I'm going to curse every now and then. And, like, I'm going to—I actually made fun of someone who cursed on this trip. I was like— This is such a mean thing to do, but someone cursed while we were at dinner and I was like, I looked at him and I was like, I remember when I thought I had to curse to be cool, which is such a mean thing to say to someone because I'm a mean person. There we go. So anyway, numbers, programs, and then also I thought I was a really good teacher and better. I knew the youth ministers that were in my hometown and I was like, I'm better than them. Just straight up. I'm better than some of the senior pastors too. And the truth of the matter is that was partially true. Um, I, was, I was not nearly as good as I thought I was, but I was, I'd been to seminary, and so like I'd had all these RUF teachers teach me, and I was stealing all their stuff, so, you know, I, it was kind of, it was kind of true. And I just said, this is what's going to make me success. And I got to Wild T, and I just had a revelation at Wild T, at Twin Lakes and Jackson. Uh, they had, they started talking about the philosophy of ministry, and I had done, the, kind of done the RUF internship, so I already knew the philosophy. Spoiler alert, we've stolen RUF's philosophy of ministry so and then made allocations for the covenant family. I have to say that because Joe Stewart might listen to this. But uh, I already knew that. So I played a lot of games on my phone, or not on my phone, on my laptop. I played sporkle quizzes uh, during the philosophy of ministry. But when it got to one to one ministry, I just, I, it was not something I was really interested in. I was like, that seems like a waste of time. And I got really convicted. Uh, I don't even remember who taught the class or who was teaching it then, but he was basically saying that one-to-one ministry was the essence of ministry, and if you're not doing it, then you're not doing ministry. And I thought to myself, all right, well, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna go on a one-on-one blitz, and I'm gonna just start one-on-one the crap out of my students. Like, I'm just gonna go for it. And you know what happened? Everything that I was trying to get with programs and teaching and numbers, I I wasn't getting it. And all of a sudden when I started doing one-on-ones, guess what happened? All the other things fell into place. You think that your gift is teaching? Whether you're a girl or a guy, you think your gift is teaching? First of all, Have you heard Sandy Wilson yet? Because let's just slow down on whether you're gifted or not. But, uh, you know, guess what? Everybody thinks their gift is teaching. Everybody does. This is like Vanderbilt, right? I get tired of hearing Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt ministers come to Wild Tea and they all say the same thing. Uh, Brian Habig said it. Stacey Croft said it. And now Richie Sessions says it. And they're like, Vanderbilt students have an existential crisis. They get to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. And they, are, they don't know what to do because everyone there is successful and smart and good. And they don't know, they just have, they don't know what to make of themselves. And I, I've, I've heard it so many times, I kind of make fun of it. I know that's the case. But e- everyone can teach. Okay? It's not hard to be a good teacher. I'm just going to tell you it's not. It's not hard. Um, everyone, you think that you're creative and make good games? Every, everyone, anyone can do that. Okay? And they're probably not as good as you think they are. But this thing that I started doing one-on-ones, it was the one thing I was bad. I was worse at it than I was at anything else in ministry. And the more that I did it, the more our ministry grew. It grew deeper and it grew in numbers. And I kept doing it over and over again. And everything that I wanted from all those other avenues just just fell right into place because I embraced one-to-one ministry. So, that's why I teach this class, is because I was convicted of, one, of the importance of one-to-one ministry. Now, for some of you, you're going to be like, this is obvious. But for, even if you think that one-to-one ministry is important, I'm going to say this to you. You don't think it's important enough, okay? You, you don't think it's important enough. And some people say that this class is like a kick in the pants, and I hope that it is that for you if you're not really engaged really regularly in one-on-one ministry. But um, this is what I want us to do today, okay? We've already done the introduction, so that's wonderful. And also, I made these slides like 10 minutes ago, so if they're misspellings or whatever, just don't judge me on that. I wasn't sure I was going to get a projector because I'm not the kind of speaker that gets the nice room. So, so, I mean, you look where they've stuck me, like at the very end. They're like, maybe no one will come. (laughs) But anyway, so why do them? What makes a good one? What do you talk about when you do them? What do you do slash where do you meet? Also, what to avoid? And then we'll, there are also some like commonly asked questions that we have. Um, So let's just jump right into it. First of all, there are plenty of reasons not to do one-on-ones. If you're looking for an excuse, I'm the kind of youth minister that right before a big trip, I always am like looking at the, like calendar being, or looking at the news being like, is there some natural disaster that could prevent us from going on this trip? <laughs> I really, like, like the day before, I'm like, sure, you know, there's a little rain. Uh, we might, we might, I just, I, I like to shirk work. I think a lot of us do. And uh, there's a lot of reasons to shirk one-on-ones. The first one is that they don't earn you much recognition. Um, If you're really good at one-on-one ministry, no one is going to call you to speak it together for the gospel, okay? It's just not going to happen, all right? That's not what's, you know, and that's fine. And if your goal is to speak it together for the gospel, you should probably get out of the ministry anyway. So there you go. But uh, they're not going to earn you much recognition. They're awkward. One-on-ones with high school students and junior high students are awkward. And if they're not awkward, then you're doing something wrong, Okay. It's awkward for you and it's awkward for them. First of all, you have to ask, let's just say that you're going to ask like an 11th grade girl to a one-on-one, okay? Any of you is going to ask an 11th grade girl to a one-on-one, all right? That 11th grade girl is infinitely cooler than you. Okay, some of you are like some of you. This is going to really hurt the younger ones of you, but you're like, no, no, I'm not that far removed. I'm pretty cool. Oh my word, (laughs) you are not cool anymore. Um, You are not cool. First of all, you wouldn't be doing youth ministry if you were cool. Let's just be honest, okay? I'm looking at you right now. You're not cool, okay? There you go. You hear it from me. Hey, physician, heal thyself. I understand. I'm not cool either. All right, but she's cooler than you. And she's hipper than you. And she knows more things than you do. And she's smarter than you, probably. She probably made a better score on the SAT or the ACT. And, you know, she probably has things that you didn't have in high school. All right? And so, and you're putting yourself out there and being like, hey, will you come meet with me? So it's awkward for you. It's, it's awkward for her, too. She's like, I, the first time, when I started doing my little one-on-one blitz, I called a guy and I was like, hey, I want to meet with you. I'm gonna, let's, let's go out to eat. We're going to go to this Mexican restaurant. And he looked at me and he goes, what did I do? Now I knew a ton about this guy and he had done a bunch of bad stuff that he didn't know that I knew. But his first thought was, talk about a blow to my pride. His first thought was, hey, why do I have to go out, why do I have to go out and eat a free meal with this guy? All right? So it's an awkward thing to do a one-on-one with a student. You're an adult or allegedly an adult and allegedly you know, have your life together to some degree. And they're a high school student with no responsibility um, or very little responsibility and um, they're living their life in the moment. Uh, Not only that, but they're difficult to schedule because your students are busy because they bow at the altar of well-roundedness. And everyone's got to be the leader in the band and the captain on the football team and a cheerleader and the president of SGA and do the school newspaper and be on the yearbook staff and be in the school play and do all of that. And they have got all these things going on. So it's hard to do. It's not, you know, that's what's kind of like lazy about Wednesday nights to be like, well, we just got it. You know, it's going to be there or Sunday morning or whatever, but it's hard to schedule one on ones. All right. It's hard to do it. And then lastly, they have a really low immediate payoff. Never, almost never. And I've been doing these for a while. I like to think that I'm better at them, certainly better at them than I was. And probably I'd say I maybe better than average at doing one-on-ones now. Um, there's a the very low immediate payoff. I've never walked away from a one-on-one and been like, "Man, I like dominated that." Like I'm the best. like never. I've ne- never ever has that happened. So there's lots of reasons not to do them, right? And you will find reasons not to do them. It's the same. I don't know if any of you can go to schools for lunches. I can go to a couple of them in my town and um, whenever I walk in to the school lunchroom, like all the old insecurities start creeping up. Like, and I just have to remind myself that I'm secure in Christ and that, you know, these kids are idiots, so what do I care what they think? Um, it's, it helps me to talk them down a little bit. But So why do them then? Why, if they're so awkward, and why do them? Well, the first thing is that they drive your ministry. Right? That if you start doing one-on-ones, more people more of your own people will come to more of your events. They'll be more regular in worship. They'll be more regular on Wednesday nights. Um, not everyone, but most people will be more... They'll, they might decide to come on a mission trip or to go to RYM. Uh, not only that, but the other reason why you might do them is because they're what means the most. This is really going to hurt you teachers too, you people who think that like, you've just got the... Look, I've got my Sunday school lessons planned out for the next seven years. So um, yeah, that's cool or whatever. But I've never had students say, you know, Kurt, that Sunday school lesson, that's what really changed it for me. Never once, never once has that happened. Every one of my students say, um, you know, that time when you took me to Sonic, you know, all those times when you took me to Sonic or you took me to Starbucks or whatever, like, I just really appreciate that. Like college students have come back. That's what they remember. This is what they remember. This is, you think that the, when you're front and center, that that is what really makes a difference because you're, you're thinking about yourself. But this is what really makes a difference to them. And it's what they remember and what means the most to them. The third thing, and maybe the most important thing, is that they're measurable. One-on-ones are measurable. You know, when a carpenter goes to work, he goes one day, now I'm not a carpenter, so... I just work for one. (laughs) What a terrible joke. But um, when a carpenter goes to work, like when he leaves that day, there's like a frame on the house. Like he can look and be like, this thing looked differently than when I started out, you know. Lots of times I leave work and I'm like, did I do anything today? Like did any real, that's the frustration of ministry, right? Is that It just sometimes you just feel like you're really just spinning your wheels and you can't get out of the rut. And one of the great things about one-on-one ministry is that it's measurable. You can take your youth group, whether it's big or small, and be like, and you can put it in your Excel spreadsheet. Some of you are like, oh yes, like put it in my spreadsheet and like put some dates beside it and plan it out and be like, I'm going to do this, you know, like this, this, and this. And it it gives you a real sense of accomplishment, which is good for you. You need that in ministry. But not only that, but it also is like. It's like, a, it's like a tally or a receipt of the ministry that you've done so that when parents are like, you know, why don't we pay this full-time youth minister? Seems like all he does is, you know, play chubby bunny with students. You can be like, well, actually, they actually won't be saying stuff like that because what they'll actually be doing is saying, hey, thanks so much for taking my son or my daughter out to eat or t- thanks so much for, you know, shooting basketball with my son or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, the, it's it's. And you can even say to parents, like, look, I met with him this time and this time and this time. It's like a receipt for your ministry. And that, that, was, that meant a lot to me. They fuel your programs. If you start doing one-on-ones, those kids are going to show up to whatever you do, all right? Uh, they have a long-term payoff that is astronomical, okay? One-on-ones have an astronomical long-term payoff. They, in, the, in the moment, it doesn't feel like maybe you got a lot done over time you become, you know, this warrior for Christ who is like, you know, it's like Paul, then you. Like that's, that's, that's what it feels like, as, like later on in life. So uh, they let you know your students for real. You, I would argue that if you're not doing one-on-ones, you don't really know your students. Uh, you don't really know what they're like. Uh, you need to get to know them. And we're going to talk about that that is really the main purpose of a one-on-one. It's, your, it's, a, it's a data mining or information gathering endeavor. And uh, lastly, they shape your teaching. It will change the way that you teach and what you talk about from the pulpit or from the stage or from wherever you, it'll change. You want some, some people are pretty cavalier in the illustrations and examples that they use. In fact, I've been accused of that. You get less cavalier and a little more careful when you know the real struggles of your students and what's going on with them, right? So it really, One-on-ones fuel everything about your ministry. It's the most important thing that you do. Nothing else is important as this. Okay, this is going to get people in Lord's Day worship. I know people will say, "Well, Lord's Day worship is the you know the key to the church," and I would agree. This gets people in Lord's Day worship. All right, people will say, "What about the sacraments?" This gets people taking the sacraments and making professions of faith. This gets people. This is this is the first wave of how we grow. Not only the youth group, but how we grow the church. All right? And you can look at that in the way that Jesus grew the disciples. Jesus walked up to disciples one on one and was like, hey, follow me. Now you're not Jesus. So yours are not going to go as easily as that. Okay. But that's how mine go. No, but, but, but this is how it happens. Okay. Let's have some fun for a second before we talk about what makes a good, I know most of you are Presbyterian, so you don't like fun, but you'll just have to grin and bear this. Um, I'm going to ask a question. Okay. We're going to have a little participation. Here's the question, or the scenario. You have won a prize, and the prize has two options. You can choose either, but not both. The first option is a year in Europe with a monthly stipend of $2,000. The second option is 10 minutes on the moon. Which option do you choose, and most importantly, why? I'm gonna send you a link with all these, so yes, yeah, so baby. you don't even have to worry about that. Okay, okay. Let's, let's find out. let <laughs> yeah, um, let's ask, hmm. What's your name? Katie. What would you choose? Um, oh. Katie, don't make me regret choosing you. I'm
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Not> regretting it. <laughs> um, I guess Europe.
0: All right, tell me why, though. Okay. Walk me through it.
1: Uh, more time.
0: Okay. Um, Okay. Just to
1: meet people, see okay. things, do things.
0: That's good. That's good. We would explore that a little more in a one on one, but let's just stop right there. All right. Um, what's your name again? Rob. Rob, what would you choose? Uh,
1: yeah, same Europe. You change Europe? Yeah.
0: Would anyone here choose the moon? Yeah. Oh, look at this. Why, why would you choose the moon?
1: Because I feel like 10 minutes on the moon would change my whole life, and then a year in Europe would be
0: like fun. Yeah. Wait, you say 10 minutes on the moon would change your whole life? Yeah. Okay, so I mean guys, why you know why that's a great question? Do you know why that's a great question? Um and why we can't like even now I, I even see some of y'all talking about like what you would have answered and why or whatever. Um you know why that's a great question? Is because that question lets me know how you think. You know? He said, this, I can't remember your name, tell me again. Willis. Willis, you were in here earlier when I tried to get everyone's name, so I'm off the hook for that. But Willis tells me something right there when I asked him that question. He tells me that life experience is important to him, that having a unique experience is important to him. And uh, there, there, there's no wrong or right answer to this question, Right. The reason that this is a good question is because without asking you, hey, Willis, how do you think? Instead, I just found out how you think. I found out. Now, there could be a million reasons why you answer one way or another, all right? Maybe you chose the moon because you've already been to Europe. So, you know, but guess what? That just opens up another question for me, which is this. Oh, you've been to Europe. Tell me about that. The first step in having a good one on one is we want to ask good questions. We want to ask questions that get people talking, that they're giving us information about themselves without them even knowing that they're giving it to us. We're like the Facebook of, you know no sorry, that was a little too, sorry that was on the nose. But we are kind of data mining. We're, we're trying to find out information and I, I ask students this question all the time. It usually Typically, it falls along gender lines, not always, but a lot of girls choose Europe. Um, I think they think they're going to meet someone there, like that's like (laughs) relationally. Um, So a lot, not all, but a lot of them, and a lot of guys choose the moon, and I think that is like, you know, a typical little boy situation where it's like, I can't go there, well, now I can um, situation. But it's not always that way, but a lot of times it's that way. But again, it doesn't matter what you choose. I can have a conversation with you about that. Regardless of what the answer is, all right. I'm going to send you a link, or I will. I will look up a link in a second. There's a guy who writes books. Um, he's not a Christian. His name is Chuck Klosterman. He's written for a bunch of different magazines. He's a great like culture writer, and he has a book. Um, and in between every chapter, there are questions like this. Really fun questions. Some of them are inappropriate to ask a teenager, but so you wouldn't use those. But some of them like this are really fun. We want to ask. Good questions. So, what makes a good one on one? The first thing is that we want to ask good questions. Actually, a lot. The first thing is that we want to pray before and after every time that we meet with, with a student. We want to pray before and we want to pray after because we want everything bathed in prayer. But when it comes to actual one on one, our first move is we want to ask good questions. This is what makes a good one on one when you ask good questions and you get them. Telling themselves about you because you don't know them and some of you are like well I'm ready to disciple them and I will tell you. No, you're not No, you are not you don't know them. Okay, you don't know them So how could you possibly be ready to well? I went to seminary. I do not care. Okay, I did too. You're not ready To disciple someone until you know, this is a trite saying, but it's a true saying no one cares what you know until they know that you care Right. All right. So we want to ask questions. We want to shut up. We want to, now for some of us, I won't say who, but some of us, you know, we really like talking, you know, the sound of our own voice is melodic and wonderful, but, and others of us, we don't really like talk at all. We're like, yes, I get to be quiet, but um, in a one-on-one, we need to shut up. You think that you have a funny story? Save that funny story, okay? Look, I, you got funny stories, I got a ton of funny stories, okay? But we don't need those funny stories right now. All right. What we need is for us to be to not be totally silent, not to stonewall them, but we want to try to quiet ourselves and move the attention away from ourselves and move the attention toward the student. We want to ask good questions, we want to be quiet, and then we want to listen. And I know that you think you know what it means to listen, but most of you don't. And especially if you're the younger you are, the less you know how to listen. Uh, the, we live in a world in which listening does not occur for a lot of reasons. And the, the bottom line is, we need to listen with our whole body to our students. Who knows what happens in John chapter seven, verse 53 verse through chapter eight, verse 11. Without looking, does anyone know what's, what's in that passage? Jeff, you know? Woman the woman was caught in adultery and it might not be scripture too. That's why, that's why a lot of people know it just from the reference, right? Um, but it doesn't matter if it's not scripture or not because what it teaches echoes scripture. So it's not important. But uh, what, what else happens in that? Without, I'm not against reading scripture, obviously, but in or, for time purposes, what else happens in that passage? Someone run me through. Someone give me some details of what happens in that passage. A woman is caught in adultery. I'll start you. A woman is caught in adultery. Anyone? Do you remember anything? Any details? Is that what Jesus is kind of like? Drawing in the dirt? The dirt. We're gonna come back to that. That's important. So Jesus drawing in the dirt. Uh, what were you gonna say? Uh, where she, they caught her red-handed, or they caught her in the act and brought her to Jesus. But that I mean, adultery is a team sport, but they didn't bring, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> curious. Um and uh and do you remember what Jesus said that made him not stoner? This is probably like the most famous part of the passage. Anyone know? Sin the first stone. Yeah, if any of you were without sin, then you can throw the first stone and they left. And they left in a certain order. Does anyone remember the order they left in? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then what happened after that? And this is maybe the part that we might have forgotten. What happens right after everyone leaves? Yeah. He stands up and he talks to her. Okay, when you read that passage, and you can go and read it sometime, you can read it today. I want you to notice the body language. All right, the body language in that passage matters. The, the Pharisees think that they've got Jesus. They got their little plan, and they bring him. They bring this woman. And they're like, "We got her." And the law, according to Moses, Moses writes in the law that we should stone her. What do you say? And as they're, you know, you know, so excited, Jesus just kneels down and he starts first century texting. Um, he's just, he's just drawing in the dirt, right? And and he says, without even looking at them, he totally dismisses with them. He says, well, whoever hasn't sinned, they can throw the first stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, they leave. And then when they leave, he stands up and he says, who condemns you? Who is here to condemn you? And um, the woman says, no. And Jesus says, go and sin no more. And I mean, it's one of the best passages in scripture. I mean, it's just a powerful image. But do you see the body language? Do you see how Jesus was totally dismissive of the Pharisees, but then you look the woman in the face. Your body language matters when you meet one-on-one. And most of us are not listening with our whole body, okay? When I was in uh, college, my RUF uh, campus minister taught me this. For some of you, you will think this is so remedial, I do this naturally. But um, this is what I do when I'm trying to listen. This is called the fine model, and it's very simple to do, okay? Um, I'm going to practice with this guy right here. What's your name? Alex. So if I want to show Alex that I'm listening to him, okay, the first thing that I do is I have to sit facing him. I'm going to make sure I don't turn the recording off on my phone. I have to sit facing him. Notice that I'm not turned like this or like this. Uh, that's kind of weird. but the, um, the, uh, On the recording, I did nothing weird. The, uh, but no, I'm, sit, I don't, I'm sitting facing him. And not only that, but I'm slightly inclined toward Alex, all right? And this is important. If you ever been watching a game, okay? you were watching a game like, and the receivers run down the field and everyone sees that he's open and the ball goes up in the air. Everyone does this. Everyone, you watch in the game, everyone does this because what they're saying is, oh man, what's happening right now has all of my interest. And when I sit and I look like this at Alex, I'm letting him know without really telling him, you have my attention. The other thing is no distractions. Like there can't be a TV or a phone anywhere. Like I I can't do that in a restaurant. If there is a, in a restaurant, I'll always sit where I can't see the television because if I can see the television, I'm just gonna, it doesn't even matter if it's one of those, you know, that some restaurants have those televisions that are just advertisements. I'm like, if I was meeting with Alex and there was a television right there, like Alex would be telling me something, open up his soul to me because that's what happens all the time. And (laughs) And I'd be like, mm, I am paying too much in taxes. Like, you know, <laughs> I, do, I do wonder, when's the last time I went to the dentist? Um, you know, like, so no distractions. And then also i am gonna make eye contact with him. I'm going to look him in the eyes. Okay. And I'm not going to have my phone out. I'm not going to have anything out. This lets him know. I'm letting him know with my body that he matters. And that's really what we want to tell our students, right? That's why we do one-on-ones is we're doing one-on-ones to let them know that they matter, all right? But be careful that you're not trying to tell them they matter and you've got your legs crossed or your arms crossed, you know, or you're looking at your phone or you're yawning, okay, in their face, which I've seen happen. Uh, Don't do that. Instead, think about the fact that you need to listen to them, tell them. They say that nonverbal communication is 90% of what we do. All right. I don't know how they measure that. I don't know how they. Uh, that seems like an impossible statistic to actually know. But I know that nonverbal communication is important, vis-a-vis John 7:53 through 8:11, and we need to take that into our one-on-one. So we need to actively listen to what they say, uh, not treating them as a project, all right, but treating them as someone that we want to get to know. They're an expert on them. Okay, no one is themmer than them, right? They're they're the expert on them, and so we want to listen to the expert. Uh, We want to know more about them. We want to know more about them than when we walked away. I mean, when we came to the restaurant or we came to wherever, we just want to know more about them. We want to find out information about them, and not just their facts, but how they think. So the facts are important, what's your name, what's your birth order, Um, You know, like, are you the first or the last? You know, like, we're going to get into what to talk about. But, you know, it's kind of like sorority rush. Like, what is your name? Where are you from? What is your major? It's like, okay, well, do you really know that person now? No, you just know a couple of facts about them. All right. And so we, but we want to know the facts, but we want to go deeper than that too. We want to ask good questions. And I'm going to tell you right now, you, you want to investigate this student. Recognize that a couple of things. One, they're not always interesting. Students are not always interesting, okay? It's okay to say that. Um, they're not, but sometimes they tell stories that are just bad stories. You know bad storytellers? Now, I'm a good storyteller, so it really bothers me when people tell bad stories. I'm like, you should just sit down and let the expert take over right here. <laughs> they, um, they're telling like their honeymoon story or something, and I'm like, I got it from here. <laughs> 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 yeah, but that's a funny idea. Uh, <laughs> they're going to tell bad stories. Boring stories. Inane stories. The story is important. The student is important. All right? And because the student is important, we're going to pay attention to the story and listen to it. Another thing, if you do youth ministry for any amount of time, you're going to see that they start repeating themselves. And I don't mean like students like say the same thing. I mean you start having the same students. Like they just have different names and bodies and sometimes genders, but they have the exact same personality and they tell all the exact same stories. And that can make you really cynical if you're like me. Um, I don't know how many times that I've had to hear the story about the huge deer that was killed with all the horns. Um, so many, I know they're called antlers, like so many points, Kurt. And they, um, so many points. There was a doe in a green field. I didn't know if the buck was going to come out. Um, Spoiler alert, the buck will come out. (laughs) We wouldn't be having the story unless you missed, maybe. Um, But again, do I care about hunting? Not really. I go every now and again to make my students laugh. But no, but I care about the students. So I'm going to listen to the story with my whole body, all my attention. I want to know. And this is a great opportunity to be like, hey, teach me something. Because sometimes your students know things that you don't know, I know, you know like information that you don't know, and i i will tell you this sometimes I act like I don't know things just to watch people explain. um It's just a game that I play uh that's just free fun if you ever want to try it like I was at Publix one time like the night before Alabama played Notre Dame in the national championship, and I was getting some stuff and uh I had a bunch of drinks like waters and Cokes and stuff for youth that I was buying. And she goes, oh, the lady was like, yeah, oh, you must be having a, a big, party, big party for the game. And I wasn't even thinking, I just said, what game? I, 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 and she was like, what game? The national championship, Alabama versus Notre Dame. And I was like, aha, a chance to be taught something. Oh, what sport do they play? Um, <laughs> football. Oh, you must not be from around here. No, ma'am. I'm not. I wasn't from, I'm not from around here. Um, are they good? They, um, who's going to win? You know, oh, Alabama's going to win for sure. You know, I was like, oh, okay, man, that ought to be fun. She was like, oh man, that's that's just so fun. Sometimes you get to have with people. Sometimes my students will mention like a very famous person and I'll be like, who's that again? Um, but so that's like a fun way to do it. But like most of the time, they will teach you things. It's like about hunting for me or about like interests that they have. They will teach you things that you don't know. And it's a great opportunity for you to, for the roles to be reversed a little bit. And, and, and for you to be taught by them and be like, okay, well, you know, whatever it is. Take that opportunity to learn something from them. Like, you know that you can hunt with poison tip arrows in Mississippi, but you can't in Alabama. I know that. And I don't know it because... I'm a hunter. I know it because I meet with a lot of boys who hunt. Did you know that the most expensive bow that you can buy is called a no cam? I didn't know that, but now I know it because a boy in our youth group got one and all the other boys are really jealous about it. And, you know, so you just learn things. It's an opportunity to learn things because when you learn those things, you're also learning about them and what what matters to them. All right. So listen to them. Even if the stories are repetitive, listen to them. Listen with your whole body. All right, let's keep going we got to go fast. What do we talk about? I have six things that I always try to cover in a one-on-one. Um, six things I always try to cover. You'll notice that spiritual things are the last thing, right? And that's not because spiritual things aren't important, but because I've got a lot of information I want to gather before I want to jump into the spiritual thing. I don't meet with the student and be like, Oh, hey, Brent, how's it going? How many times are you reading your Bible every every week? You know, like that's we just don't do it like that. That's a terrible way to ask that question and... That's not, we want to ease into it a little bit. We don't want to just jump right in. The first thing is school, because school is the predominant part of their life. It's their full-time job, what they do, all right? They have teachers. Some of you are going to immediately say, well, what if they're homeschooled? Okay, well, we're going to cover that in just a second. But I understand that that isn't, you know, that's another thing. The questions are going to change a little bit. You're probably not going to be like, do you hate your teacher? Um, But, (laughs) so you're asking about school. And you're going to ask about the relationships that happen in school so you're going to be like um tell me what subjects what subjects do you like or don't like what do you excel in or what you don't like uh tell me um uh do you have a teacher that you really like or a teacher that you really butt heads with um do you have a lot of friends in your classes what's the first class do you like having that first or if you could change your schedule how would you change your schedule um you know uh Oh, are you the kind of student who really likes group projects? Or are you the kind of student who just kind of rolls their eyes on group projects? Now, when I ask that question, that tells me a lot about that student, right? Because like the overachievers hate group projects. He's like, I have to do all the work. Some of you are like, I'm an overachiever and I love group projects. And I was like, okay, calm down. But most overachievers don't really like group projects because they have to do all the work. And, you know, but the slackers really love group projects. They're like, yeah, group project, baby. (laughs) Let's go, you know, so... You learn, you're just, you just learning about them, but you ask them about school, right? Um, ask them about what it's like to go to school there, about their, you know, you're just exploring that. What's school like? What's going on with school? The second thing is home. The other time, the other place where they spend most of their time, and this is really their family and those relationships within their family. So this is about mom and dad. This is about brothers and sisters. Um, you know, this even extended family. Um, you know, my, one of my favorite questions to ask is which parent do you get along with best or which parent do you butt heads with the most? And, um, you know, they'll say, and, you know, they always hate it when I say this, but it's true. I said, you know, most people say that the one that you argue with the most is the one that you're most like. And they're like, no way. I'm like, yeah, yeah, kind of. So, you know, where, where were they born, birth order-wise? That means a whole lot, okay? It's not like wrought in iron, you know, or, or, or chiseled in stone, but, you know, most of your first children are going to be real uh real careful kids real achiever kids you know they're casting that big shadow for the rest of the siblings to wither under and you know they're you know and but you're going to ask them like a question you might ask a first child would be like you know which one of your siblings was like the biggest handful to help take care of or you know you know youngest child is all probably will forget to show up to the one-on-one anyway but um if he and if he does or she does show up they won't have what they need for it if they need something but you know that's You know, like, what do you like most about your older siblings? You want to ask about those relationships because those relationships are formative to who they are. And you don't really know them unless you know a little bit about those relationships. So we want to ask about home, right? Thirdly, we want to ask about sports. And I I could almost put this under interest, but so many students play sports that I feel like it deserves its own category. Because um, in my context, everybody plays a sport. Like, everybody does. They find something to play. Or they're in the band. Or they're like, that. I consider that you know, same situation. Um, it requires just as much time. But, um, anyway, like, what are your coaches like? What are your teammates like? Do you get to start? Or not, uh, you know, who's ahead of you on the depth chart? Or um, who's really good? Or, you know, like, t- tell, me about, tell me about that. I-, I ask boys this a lot. A lot of my questions are about boys because I do most of my one-on-ones with boys. So to you ladies, I apologize for that. Um, you're not going to get any an example. I-, I have done some one-on-ones with girls before, but... Um, we'll talk about that at the very end, um, I asked boy, if you could only do one of these things, if you could only hit a walk off home run or throw or catch a game winning touchdown pass or hit a buzzer beater, wh- which one would you choose? Which one would you choose? Which one would you choose? Yeah. Game winning touchdown. Okay. You know, I-, I ask a lot of guys that and, um, a lot of them love football and that's what they choose. I had one student say, I would definitely choose home run. I said, you don't even play baseball. He goes, yeah. He goes, but you know, when you hit a game-winning home run, like the team is excited, but you get to run the bases by yourself. Like, and all the glory is on you. Now, what is that student telling me about that? Like, I was like, are you my little brother? They, um, (laughs) did we just become best friends? (laughs) Yep. But uh, so, yeah like, we want to ask questions like that. We want to put them in hypothetical situations and get what they, why they think about sports, you know, about practice, about workouts, about all those things. You know, all my students are threatening to quit their sports all the time. Like that's, are you thinking about quitting and why? Like every one of them is thinking about quitting. And why, why are they thinking about quitting? So, uh, fourthly is relationships. And this is friends and romances. All right. Friends and romances. And we want to be careful here. We're not know, we'll talk later about gossip and how we avoid that. So we're not talking about friends, but I'll give you an example of a question I might ask. I would be like, hey, if you got thrown in jail and you could only call one of your friends to come bail you out, who's the first person you would call? All right. Now, that is a great question. All right. Because what is this person now going to tell me? They're going to tell me who they trust the most. What are their friends they trust the most? Who's the most reliable friend they have? All right. So, like, you want to ask them uh, questions like, now, if they they have a boyfriend or girlfriend, don't be afraid to ask about that. Be careful about that, too. And I don't want to say be careful about it, but uh, just know that that can turn into a much more serious conversation uh, than when we're just talking about friends. But when I ask about that, why, you know, why do you like her or like him, you know? Some of my more crass guys are probably be like, "Well, she's hot, you know." Like, okay, cool. She's probably not going to be hot in like 25 years. So, um, I mean, go to your grandmother's Sunday school class. How many of those women are hot? But so maybe we should build our relationship on something else. Um, but fair enough. I mean, I was a high school boy. I can get down with that. So, um, but like, what? Does a person you're dating remind you of your parents in any way? Oh no, never at all. Okay, okay. Um, the uh, like, uh, what do your parents think about them? Um, do y'all ever spend time with her parents or your parents? His parents or you know your parents? Uh, these are like, so we're just trying to get a picture of what their life is like and what they value and and how these relationships how these relationships are. Do your best friends have boyfriends or girlfriends? And uh, you know, uh. Uh, lots i 've had lots of guys just say like, Oh yeah well so and so is my best friend, but ever since he started dating so and so, he just doesn 't hang out anymore, so I hate her you know like and you know but that tells me something right it's like this guy really values his friendships and that it's getting taken away from him. again i'm just i'm just taking that information in what i 'm doing is if you think about like poker chips i 'm just raking those poker chips in relational capital i 'm just going to take it in like this and i'm just we 're not going to cash it in on the first one, okay. We're not going to be like, now let's pray to receive Christ after this one-on-one. Like that's, that's not what's going to happen. Or let's, you know, let's walk through Galatians together after this one, one-on-one. No, that's, that's discipleship. This is not discipleship. This is the beginning of discipleship. It can turn, to, it can turn into discipleship, but this is not discipleship, all right? This is, this is really information gathering, all right? Fourthly, fifthly, sorry, interest. And so this is anything that takes up their time, that isn't sports or extracurricular activities. So like, it's not school functions. So this would be like what they're, what Netflix shows they're watching. Okay, you gotta be really careful here. Um, the uh, But uh, do they like, do they have other interests? Are they like big into video games? Or is there a television show that they like? Or are they really into anime? I don't know, like whatever it is that they like. They've got some interest and this is where I'll pause and say I think there's a question at the end Someone always asks when I teach this class What if someone just won't open up at all and open up at all and I always say everyone is passionate about something Everyone is passionate about something even if their passion is not being passionate if apathy is their thing Then that's what they're into. That's fine. But everyone is passionate about something. Um, we had a girl in our group that, uh You know, I didn't know really well, and she came on a mission trip. I was kind of surprised that she signed up for the mission trip. She was just kind of on the fringe of our group, and she signed up for this mission trip. We went on it, and I found out that she really liked to draw, and she was really into anime. And so one day, I just sat down with her. There's a bunch of people around, but I just sat down beside her because I kind of like to draw, and I was like, hey, will you teach me how to draw some of the stuff that you draw? And she, like, we just had some chalk and we were helping some kids draw and I was like, show me some stuff. And so she was like, all right, well, you want to do the eyes like this. And she, I just let her teach me how to draw. It's the most she's ever talked to, talked to me in my entire time of knowing her. All right. It's the most word she's ever given to me. Why? Because she was passionate about it. Right. So we want to talk about her interests. Let them teach you something. you know, right. Um, they have interest. Be careful about the shows and be careful about, um, this is why I say don't talk too much. Like, be careful about talking about yourself, you you young ladies. If you're not married and you're doing one on ones, and let's say that you have a boyfriend, I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, these little girls will want to know about your boyfriend and about your relationship. They're not ready to talk about that. Um, don't don't download that to them. Um, you can be like, well, he's nice. Uh, that's probably about as far as I would go with it. You know what I mean? You're because we're not we're not here to learn about you. All right, we're here to learn about them. All right, but they they might ask that. Um, you know <laughs> that. There's some things that they can't handle and they're going to be into things that maybe they shouldn't be into. And we want to be careful about not condoning those things. So if someone is like, oh, well, if I'm like, oh, well, what do what you, you know, what are you into? What do you like? And some guy's like, man, I love Game of Thrones. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> um, that is basically pornography. So with dragons. So whew, um, I can't be like, oh, that's cool. I can't do that. I can't be like, oh, cool, cool. Me too. Love it. Um, no. So you gotta be careful about that. I mean, like, you think about like a show like The Bachelor, all right? Like, a lot of girls are into The Bachelor. A lot of people in here might have even had bachelor parties where you all get together. And I, I know why girls like The Bachelor. Um, I mean, it's perfect television for them because girls like uh, relationships. Uh, they like like when the opposite sex comes together and boy meets girl. And they also love the catty other part too. They really love that part. Um, but I would be real careful about talking with my high school students about The Bachelor. Um, Corey Tim Boom's uh, dad was a doctor and he had a big thick medical kit. Um, and when, when Corey Tim Boom was like four or five, she asked her dad, she said, um, what's sex? When he was like four or five. And uh, Corey and her dad said, um, Hey, will you go grab my bag real quick? And she walked over there and she picked up the bag and she tried to, and the bag was just too heavy, she couldn't pick it up. And he walked over and he picked it up and he said, Here, I'm gonna get this for you. It's too heavy for you right now, but one day you'll be able to hold it. And that question is too heavy for you right now, but one day you'll be able to hold it. And so we just don't remember that they're kids and that their bandwidth can't handle some things. And now they're testing that and, you know, they're testing their bandwidth. But we just want to be real careful when we ask about their interest that we don't like endorse something that is problematic. So be careful there is all I'm saying. Uh, Lastly, we talk about their faith spiritually. Um, The very minimal thing that you would do is say um, at the end of a one-on-one is this. Hey, give me one thing I can pray for you this week. If I'm going to pray for Hamilton Chapman this week, I had a one-on-one with him. A while back, so if I'm pray for Hamilton Chapman this week, Hamilton, what should I pray? You know, uh, and then another really good question to ask is like, hey, w- is there someone that you and I can be praying together for? Like, is there someone? Because then it's like, oh, it's not just about you and about your life, but let's like let's pray for someone. I, I had a one-on-one with a guy, and he was like, yeah, my brother is really struggling. Like, he's a younger brother that has some school uh, some school issues. Um, just learning issues. He's like, my brother's really struggling. It's hard on my family. And I was like, well, let's let's just you and me pray for that. All right. So that's the very minimum. We can go way further than that. We can say, and we want to ask those questions in a non-judgmental and non-like. We don't want to pressure them. We want to say things like, um, we don't want to say, do you read your Bible every day? All right. I think one time I taught this class and I like walked over someone was like, do you read your Bible every day? And the guy was like, no. And I was like, he's honest. What happened? The yeah, um, <laughs> Like, instead, we want to be like, hey, do you struggle to stay in the Word? And they're probably going to say, yeah. You're inviting them to say, yeah, at that point. Say, me too. Let's talk about how we might be able to read the Bible together. Like, you know, uh, let's like, you know, I think Sandy was talking about reading through, uh, in three weeks, reading through uh, John. Uh, I would say the Gospel of Mark is the best example of that because it's short and it's written like in tweets and like, um, it is so uh, we, we want to turn it to spiritual and here is one of the, well we're going to get on what not to do but those are the six things that you talk about All right. I know we probably need to take a break but I'm trying to just go hard right now and then we get done early is, is that cool um, or should we take let's see it's 10 what time do we have to be done oh you have a question go yeah, I I right now. oh we're going to take questions at the end but you can, you'll feel free to ask it right now yeah, well, I, I mean, sometimes you just have to rightly say, I don't think you should be watching that. And I don't think it's a shame thing. It's like, I'll tell you this. Um, I'll just use Game of Thrones as an example because I was thinking about a couple years ago, we were on a bus trip, and one of my students had a Game of Thrones book and was reading it. It was a really long bus trip. So, and he had a Game of Thrones book and was reading it. And I said, hey, man, can I talk to you about that for a second? And he said, yeah. And I said, I read the first two books. I did read the first two books of Game of Thrones. I said, I read those. I was like, I just had to stop reading them because there's just so much in there that I just didn't need to have in my mind. I said, what do you think about that? And he said, He said, yeah, there's some dark stuff in there, but man, I mean, the story is good and you know, this or that. I think what we want to do is we want to, we don't want to say you shouldn't be doing it maybe, but we want to say like, here's why I don't do that. Um, here's why I, like I have, and we also want to, well, we definitely want to explore what itch is being scratched by whatever they're into, whether it's The Bachelor or Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or Grey's Anatomy or you know whatever. Um, we want to we want to find out what itch is being scratched there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you have to read the kid too. I mean, like every every one of these kids is different. Every every student is different that I have and some of my students might posture like that. Some of my students like out and out try to like rattle me and say like really offensive things just to rattle me. I have one kid that loves offensive humor and he just like tries to like break me with like jokes that you shouldn't tell. And, um, which is, I mean, the truth is that I kind of like offensive humor too. So I have to like be careful there, but, um, like that there might be posturing there, but it also might be like a cry for help too. Like, um, so but you have to know what, what, it helps, the more that you know about the kid, the more times that you meet, the more that you can address that. And you might not address it the first time, all right? You might just make a note of it and be like, okay, like, so you don't stop right there and like shut it down right there, but you say, okay, you know, you make a mental note and you say, this guy is really into, you know, whatever, you know, or this girl is really into whatever, um, let's explore that later and find out. So, yeah. Anyway, that's a great question. I'm not going to be able to answer most people's questions because I'm not good at one-on-ones, but anyway, um, where do we meet? This is my. This is what, what you want. You want to meet somewhere that is public enough that everyone feels safe, including yourself, that everyone feels safe, and you want to meet somewhere that is private enough that if someone cried, it wouldn't be a scene, okay? And I consider that the ideal place a restaurant, all right? Because now if someone is like like sobbing, Okay. Then that's going to be a scene. I don't care where you are. Park, you know, like restaurant, you know, church. Like if someone's sobbing, they're sobbing. You know what I mean? But if someone gets a little teary, you want to meet, you want to be somewhere private enough that that's not going to be like that. Everyone's not going to be like, you know what I mean? But you want to be somewhere public enough that everyone feels safe and that you're not putting yourself at risk, which we'll talk about a little bit more. But um, you don't want to put yourself at risk. So and what do you do? And I will say that, look, um, we live in a crazy time, um, but I want to make some stereotypical remarks about gender right now, which is um, this. Uh, typically, girl one-on-ones are way easier than boy one-on-ones. Uh, and uh, because girls are so much more uh, nurturing and maternal in their, just in their nature, and so they like to talk about relationships and they like, and like, they don't even need some of this. A lot of girls are already doing fine without even thinking about it. Like i walk by like people's prayer groups and the guys are all like, mm-hmm, and like looking off to the sides, you know, and the girls like, like one girl is sharing and another girl is like this, like, mm-hmm." <laughs> tell me, tell me more. Um, like, so like girls, oh no, my microphone, um. I know. I shouldn't have done that. It was really funny, though. Uh, So, but boys like to do objective activities. So, if you can find, if that's your, I mean, some, the easiest thing is to go get a meal. That's the easiest thing, right? So, um, and that's kind of my default uh, thing to do. I will also say about the place is that one of my favorite places to do uh, one-on-ones is in the, like, outdoor seating at Sonic. Um, because there are all these people, you're surrounded by people and no one is really paying attention to you. Like, you're like, you, you know, because they're all like worried about getting their slush, you know, or getting their, um, you know, or their, their mozzarella sticks or whatever it is. They're like ready to shave years off their life and, because <laughs> it's happy hour, give me the root 44. <laughs> um, so, but you're in the middle there. That's like, I mean, you can uh, you can talk with someone pretty openly there, and and no one's really going to care what's going on. So that's an idea of a place that's public enough that everyone feels safe and private enough that you could cry. Um, So objective activities: frisbee golf, or basketball, or you know, if you got you know a project to do, or you know, ping pong table, or you know, so it could be a game, or it could be like I got to move this you got to move this stuff in the church. I move these chairs or whatever. Will you help me do that? Or just go on a walk. I do our new member interviews at our church for everyone in high school, boy and girl. And uh, when I do the new member interviews, I always do the same exact thing, unless it's raining, which is we just walk around the block at the church. Our, our church is in a really pretty neighborhood, and we just walk. Um, and, and it could just be that, just go on a walk. But some, some people need that objective in, their, in the meeting in order for, like, real conversation to happen. Other people don't need that, and you can read your students. So, some you, you know your students better than I do, but um, do something that you're, you're, like, do something that you're good at. Uh, the girl that I work with is Mary Cam Shaw, and she's awesome. I actually talked to her the first time I taught this, and we compared a lot of notes about one-on-ones. But we had one girl in our group that was pretty quiet and shy and, I mean, an amazing person, but just, just kind of a little bit of a wall—not a little bit, a definitely a wallflower, like someone who just did not like the spotlight, and you know, and but she really liked art, and Mary Cam was good at art, and so Mary Cam said, "Hey, do you want this turned into a weekly thing?" But she was like, "Do you want to just come up and let's do some calligraphy, um, together, and I'll teach you." Mary Cam has her own calligraphy business, so you know she's you know ro- rolling the dough or whatever, but. He uh, was like, hey, do you want to come up and, and I'll teach you how to do this stuff? And, and so if, you're, if you have one, a gift or ability like that, if you want to teach someone how to play an instrument if, you know, or something like that, that's a great opportunity to develop, to take this right here, a one-on-one, and turn it into something much um, deeper, a much more long-lasting relationship. So um, whatever it is that you're comfortable doing, all right? meet that, that's, that's where you should meet. All right, what to avoid. All right, this is where I'm the expert because I'm bad at one-on-ones. This is, I know all about this, okay? I, like all the good stuff, I was kind of just stealing from other people, but now I'm going to tell you about my own experiences. And this is where it gets real juicy. But um, let's start with gossip, first of all, okay? This is the main thing that you have to avoid in one-on-ones. A student has to know that what, you, what they tell you is not public information. If they think that, get out of ministry, don't stop doing one on ones. Please go do something else. Okay? If you like to tell stories, then just go do something else. If you can't keep a secret, you're like, oh, I just can't keep a secret. Well, then the ministry's not for you. I'll just tell you that. It's not. Um, you have to keep confidences with people. If you expect them to really have a real relationship with you and to tell thing, and to tell you things that are important in their life, they have to know that it's not going to be public information. They have to. And your students are going to want to talk about other students. Okay. They're going to want to do that. All right. Boys and girls, they love to gossip, okay? And and this is my move whenever it looks like we're headed into a gossipy situation. As I always say this, I always say, like, let's I'll give you a, just a straight up example. Okay, Let's say that a student came to me and was like, hey, I just thought you should know that Steve is drinking every weekend. I think he might be like an alcoholic. All right, I would say this to that person, thank you for telling me that. All right, Thank you for telling me that because that's important that I need to know that and I'm happy to be trusted with that. I don't want to talk with, about that with you further, and I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't talk about it anymore with anyone else. All right? And let me talk to Steve. okay? Um, because I would never talk to Steve about you, so I can't really talk about Steve with you. Um, So I would never, ever talk to them about you so I can't talk to you about them, all right? Um, And what that does is it confirms the fact that you are a vault, that you are not going to run your mouth, all right? And you have to have that, okay? You have to have it. Now, there are some things that you have to share, okay? There are some things, and everybody's states are different as far as like laws or whatever, but kind of the... You know, if they're going to hurt someone or hurt themselves, or any kind of crime or abuse that's been committed, there are some mandatory reporting um, moves that you have to make if that were to happen. And you should definitely talk with your senior pastor or executive minister or whoever you have at your church about how your church, how the church policy works with that, because you want to have a close relationship um, with him, and you want to be able to take those things to him, and you want to let the student know that too. You say, "Well, look, there's some things that by law I have to tell," but most of your one-on-ones are not going to be that. 99.999% of your one-on-ones are not going to involve mandatory reporting. But you should know that. Uh, but you need, to, you need to know, the student needs to know, I can trust this person. All right. I can trust this person. Um, the second thing that you've got to avoid is, I'll tell you one more story about gossip to show you just how complicated it can get. <sighs> Except my nose is bleeding. So, you know what? Why don't we take a break? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, my nose is bleeding right now. I'm, I was gonna run to the restroom if I could get my um, rec- recorder to pause. Thank you, I appreciate it.
1: Hey, we gotta run.
0: Oh, thanks Jeff. I don't have a ton of more material, but, um, two people are running. Um, but I was gonna tell y'all a story about how complicated it can be about not gossiping or about keeping confidence. Because we had a situation that happened, now it's been a long time ago, um, happened where uh, uh, Mary Cam came to me and she said, I need to talk to you about a one-on-one that I had. And I said, okay. And she said, uh, the girl that she had a one-on-one with said that she was concerned for another girl in our youth group. You know, which is, you know, are they really concerned or is it, you know, whatever. But turns out this is very legitimate because the girl that Mary came and met with, girl A, had received a Snapchat from girl B. But girl B meant meant to send it to her boyfriend, who's also in her youth group. And it was the kind of Snapchat that you would not want to send to your friend. The kind of Snapchat I would say you should never send, but the kind of Snapchat... Now, how awkward is that? That's super awkward, huh? Um, Be like, man, I can't imagine, like, anyway, that conversation. So here's how complicated that is, okay? Um, We've got to address that issue with this girl and with her parents, who I'm sure she talked to about it, right? We've got to address the issue with the girl who sent it, even though she doesn't know that we know, and with her parents, who most certainly don't know, and I probably need to get a one-on-one with that guy pretty soon, because I gotta address it with him and maybe with his parents who most certainly don't know. Right? All right. That's a complicated scenario. In that exact scenario, what we did is we went down to talk to our executive minister and the three of us just put our heads together and we said, all right, well this is how we're gonna have to do it, okay? We're gonna have to do this, this, and this and this. But see, situations like that are complicated, right? You you wanna keep confidences. All right. You don't want to work in gossip, but you also have to address issues when they come up, especially things like that. Right. Um, So it's not as simple as being like, well, I'm just not going to tell anyone secrets. All right. I mean, I I feel like I'm pretty good secret keeper, but sometimes sometimes you're going to handle uh, sometimes you're going to run into things in one on ones that you're not prepared for. And it's really good if you have multiple people on your staff to be able to go back and talk to your staff and be like, "Okay, well, this is something maybe it's a theological question. This happens to Mary Cam some, she'll be like, I was talking with so-and-so and and they they really want to know about speaking in tongues and I just didn't know what to say and I was like, thank goodness I wasn't there because I don't know what to say. (laughs) Um, You know, and so her move and my move when we don't know is like, hey, would you mind if I read about that for a minute or, or do a little research and when the next time we get together, I'd love to talk about it. So don't be afraid to say that you don't know and that brings me to... The second and third thing that make bad one-on-ones is you talking too much, all right? Even if you feel like you've got a really relatable story, just pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not saying never tell about yourself, but just pump the brakes a little bit because, again, we're trying to get the information from them. The second thing is don't give advice, okay? Try to stay away from giving advice. This is something that they will naturally think that you're going to do and maybe even expect you to do, but you don't want to do that, all right? First of all, you haven't got the world figured out, so who are you giving advice? <laughs> like, who are you to give advice? Um, you're coming to R-Y-M-Y-L-T, and then you're going to be like out there like some grand poobah, like, hmm, this is what I would do in that scenario. Um, okay, the, uh, so don't, don't give a ton of advice, all right? It's a dangerous thing to give advice, but... In a one-on-one, it's especially dangerous because you're talking and they're probably not listening. Do you realize that everyone is telling your student what to do? That your student is constantly being talked to, talked at, right, barked at, you know? Their teachers talk at them. Their coaches yell at them. Their parents talk at them, all right? You talk at them on Sundays and Wednesday. So everyone is talking at them. So one-on-ones are an opportunity for them to talk back to you, all right? It's an opportunity for them as much as you can get out of them for them to talk. So try not to give a bunch of advice, all right? I'm not saying, what I, don't hear me say, well, Kurt said I couldn't point them to the scripture. Of course that's not what I'm saying. Um, obviously, you know, if they ask you a question or if they say, you know, I'm in this, you know, someone says, you're having a one-on-one with a girl, and she's like, you know, every time the pastor comes over to my, uh, to our house, you know, I work really hard to get the house clean, but my sister just sits and talks to the pastor, and I don't really know what to do, you know. (laughs) At that point, I'm going to allow you to be like, well, you know, (laughs) in Luke 10, um, you know, like, so, most of the scenarios will not be quite on the nose like that. But, but I'm not saying don't take them to the scriptures. Do take them to the scriptures. Do take your Bible with you. Your Bible, you can sit on there. Instead of sitting on your phone on the table, by the way, they did a study on phones, they did a study on conversations and phones. They had a, like thousands of people just have one on one conversations with people. And half the conversations it was just an empty room with a two chairs and a table, and the other half of the conversations was an empty room, two chairs and a table, and there was a phone that never rang or anything, but it was just set face down on the, um, on the table. Do you know that the conversations with the phone were shorter and less meaningful, like consistently? And the phone wasn't even on. It wasn't theirs, and it wasn't on. Um, they were just told not to mess with it, um, to leave it there, and that they were shorter and less meaningful, All right. So don't set your phone down on there, but do set your Bible there. All right. One, it reminds you why you're there. All right. And two, it's great to be able to point. I just remember having a one on one with my RUF minister. And like I had a lot of questions because I was just like raging Arminian. And um, I mean, just the worst kind. And he was he never gave me advice. He never, he never argued once with me, but he did say, hey, well, can we look at this real quick we open up his Bible? I just thought it was so neat. I remember thinking to myself, man, this guy really knows how to use his Bible. So it'd be a great thing to pass on to your students. Have your Bible with you. Don't give a ton of advice. Don't have surface-only conversations. This is a real temptation, especially for young people in here, okay? And even for older people, this is a real temptation, is to have this one-on-one with this cool kid, you know, who, and you're meeting with them, and you're so happy that it's going well and y'all have talked about all these things and you've learned about their life and then just be like, all right, well, I'll see you later and and, and not take it to the spiritual level. If you don't do that, why are you there? They are not meeting with you because they're cool. You're not their friend. They have friends. They don't need friends, okay? You're there. They expect you and want you to talk about spiritual things with them. And if you don't, they lose use and respect for you. You have no use to them and you have no res- and they have no respect for you. So don't buckle under the temptation. This is something that I struggle with early on a bunch, all right? Because I'd have these fringe kids and I'd want to seem cool and not want them to like push them away. And I'll just tell myself like, okay, well, we'll just we'll just get real spiritual next time, you know? And we just talk about football this time. And don't at the very least you have to ask them what you can pray for all right and you have to ask them to pray for you have to ask them to pray for something too like at the very and you have to pray obviously when you leave but and if you're eating pray when you bless the food too but like you you have to turn it that's the minimum what you can do do not make that mistake it's a big mistake that people make okay surface only conversations they don't need that from you okay they don't you are not there to be their friend all right this is not your chance to have the cool kids as your friends because they weren't your friends in high school, okay? This is not your chance to do that. Um, okay, what about cross-gender one-on-ones? What about boy uh, ministers? Uh, what about boy, men meeting with you know, junior high and high school girls or women meeting with junior high and high school boys, okay? My pat answer is don't do them, okay? Now you've already heard me say that I've done them before, so, you know, but I'm a hypocrite, so whatever. That's not the point. My pat answer is don't do them, and the reason why I say don't do them is one, you just need to protect yourself, all right, because that can, that is a very thorny situation to get into, but two is that you're completely ill-equipped to do them anyway, okay, Um, because you have no idea someone is going to come back at me on this, or uh, inevitably someone will, and it'll probably be a guy, but you have no idea what it's like for them. You just don't. I have no idea what it's like to be a high school girl. I'm married to a girl and I have no idea what, I have no idea what she's thinking or what she's going through. Sometimes she cries and nothing has happened, all right? <laughs> like, she, actually, I guess I could share this. Some, one time she texted me and she said, you know, every day about this time, I just feel like I need to cry a little bit. <laughs> Now, there is a way to handle that, gentlemen. I'll give you a little marriage advice real quick. Anytime your wife says something that you don't understand, just repeat what they said back to him as a question. It is unstoppable, okay? (laughs) It cannot be stopped. Marty's like, I don't really like peppermints. You don't like peppermints? (laughs) I was telling this to a guy at dinner, like, this week. I was like, he was about to get married, and I was telling him this. I was telling him to do that, and he said, um... Then he said something and I did it to him and he just went right into telling me more about it. And I was like, see how I just did it you? And he was like, oh, <laughs> it's beautiful, by the way. Use this on one-on-ones too. If you don't know how to respond to something, just repeat it back as a question. It is the most beautiful thing in the world. All that to say, we, we've kind of gotten off track, is that I don't understand women. All right. I've been married to one for 13 years. Okay. That's a long time. All right. I get to study her. You know, I understand, I get, to, I get to try to understand what makes her tick. You think that you can really understand the high school girl experience? Or ladies, you think you can really understand the high school boy experience? You have no clue. You've never even been in a men's restroom in a convenience store. Don't tell me you know what it's like to be a man. And if you have, I know you haven't because you all seem disease-free. And um, like, you just don't know. You're just ill-equipped. And so the best move, the best move is to outsource that to someone else, to find someone else who can do that. Now I have, our church, we, we hire a girls ministry coordinator, so we have that. And I know that not every church has that, okay? Um, but it's the third most important job in the church. So you should have it, all right? You need a senior pastor, and you need a youth pastor, and you need that girl, all right? Seriously, um, and then you need whatever else. Sorry, Joe. Then you need musicians. They, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you, you, you have to, you, you have, maybe it's an, um, maybe it's a mom or, uh, may a young mom in your, in your group or a, a girl in her, or a lady in her thirties or, or late twenties, you know, like someone who's, who can do that for you. Or maybe it's a guy, you know, this situation doesn't happen in the reverse a lot, but it does happen but it, you ought, in your church, you ought to be able to find, in most churches, you ought to be able to find a, a guy who can, you know, spare a little time to meet with a, um, with a high school student. But you want to outsource that, okay? You, you definitely want to outsource that but just because you're ill-equipped to do it. And some people have come back at me when I've said that and been like, well, I'm their pastor. And I'd be like, okay, all right, that's great. But still they need someone who understands what they're going through to be able to speak the gospel to them, speak the gospel into their lives. They need it, okay? And so I would not do it, okay? If you had to do it, you can do it, okay? I've done it, all right? When I was at Lawndale, we didn't have, I didn't have a Mary Cam, and I didn't really know at that time. I I didn't know what to do. I just felt like our girls, I just, I didn't know what to do. So I would just, um... I would only meet with girls who could drive who could drive themselves to Sonic and I would meet out in the middle with them and but our one on ones were never really good because um because I can only ask so much I can only get and a girl doesn't want to tell me about her experience all right like that's awkward like she like uh, she is just, just doesn't want so. Um, You if you need to you can all right if you you can you know and sometimes you can slip in a little one-on-one and group activities You know like to get to know your students a little bit better There's nothing wrong with that like what I did with the girl who could draw there's nothing wrong with that But for the most part they need that older version of themselves to be able to talk to if that makes sense What about transgender? Um, I taught this elective last year and I only came to teach it and then I left and I was in a terrible mood, and there was a lot—I had a lot of stress in my life. And I only had 45 minutes to teach it, and um, and I was uh, and I asked him not to save that recording because I did such a poor job, and um, and I only want my um, I only want my milestones out there, not any of my <laughs> not the bad things. Um, but at the end, someone was like, "Well, what about transgender kids?" Like, and uh, it was like. Everyone in the room went hush, and some people were even trying to, like, save me. They were like, well, I don't know if Kurt, like, um, but I, I thought a lot about that situation because I, um, I wasn't really ready for that answer, but I think that's something that we have to be ready for now. A um, couple quick things on that, okay? The first thing is that nowhere in the Bible does Jesus ever divide mercy and truth. He always gives both at the same time in an equal measure, all right? Mercy and truth. And someone who identifies as transgender needs mercy, but they also need truth. They need both of it, all right? And we uphold the truth, you know? And and what someone says they feel like is not the reality of who they are, okay? Let's just say that right now. Um, sometimes I feel happy and sometimes I feel sad, all right? And also, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, legislate this issue, but just for the exact same reasons why you shouldn't do cross-gender because you don't understand what the other gender feels like is... You know, anyway, I think y'all can put those dots together, but, um, but they also, also you're probably ill-equipped to help them. Let's just be honest, all right? Um, you and I are not, we're, we're, those are some deep issues. That's going to require a lot more attention than maybe you are qualified to give, okay? So we want, that's going to be a team effort. Remember I talked about with the Snapchat incident, how we, how we all put our heads together? That that's that's going to be a put our heads together situation for your church about how to handle that. We're de- you know we're going to have to talk to the parents if they're involved or you know. So that's a complicated issue, all right. But I will still say this, which I feel like is a hard and fast rule, which is, you know, whatever some gender someone biologically is, I would I try to only do one on ones with that with people who have my same biological gender, no matter what they. Um, no, no matter what they identify as. So that, that can be an issue. That's something that's on the horizon, I guess. Although, again, just like mandatory reporting things, that's an infinitesimal. The chances that you run into that are m- much smaller than the, world ma- than the media make it seem that it is. But, um, but that's still something that we have, to, we have to consider as well. So and that's a question that I got. Okay, um, these are some common questions. And then I'll just let you guys ask questions if you have any and we can just kind of workshop a little bit, and then we'll be done. Um, what about students who aren't members? Do you do one-on-ones with students who aren't members? Maybe, but be very careful about that, okay? And I'll tell you in my own context, I go, I, I minister in a context where everyone says that they're a Christian. Um, it's the Deep South. So my ministry is convincing people that they aren't a Christian so that they can meet Jesus, um, which is sad, but also true. And... So I have to be very careful. I don't take random students on one-on-ones because I don't want to. I don't want their youth minister to be like, "Why are you taking the kid from my youth band on a one-on-one?" And I'm like, "Oh, my bad." So uh, you don't want you don't want that to happen. You just be careful about it. Also, you don't want parents to be like, "Who are you, and why are you eating lunch with my son or my daughter?" So, um, and that. So I typically don't do that. It's not a hard and fast rule, but that leads into an another issue, which is that it's never a wrong time to communicate with parents and you need to communicate with your parents on the front end that you're going to be taking their students out. And they love that. You know, it's never wrong to communicate. Uh, the, the, the biggest lie about communication is that it's being done. That's from George Bernard Shaw. And so you should just communicate with your parents as much as possible about, Hey, I'm meeting so-and-so at the yogurt chopper, you know, like I meet, um, like you, you, you should communicate with them. Um, and typically, Now, if there's a student who comes to our ministry, we've had a lot of families join our church. I won't say a lot, but a significant number of families join our church. And the way it started was the kids started coming to youth group. The kid came to RYM or went on a mission trip with us. And all of a sudden, the parents started showing up for Sunday school and church. And the next thing you know, they were members. All right. And but if a kid is coming and his parents don't go to another church, or if he's a member of our church or he's just coming a lot, then yeah, I might do a one-on-one with him or with her. Like, you know, we might do it. But just be careful about that, all right? That's something that, you know, in each of your context, that's going to be important or not important. Um, what if they just don't open it up and talk? I've already said this, but they absolutely are passionate about something, and it's your job to figure out what it is. And if it's Pokemon, it's Pokemon, and let's talk about it, okay? Who's better, Pikachu, Charmander? You know, I don't know. Is it Squirtle? It's tough to say. I am a seven-year-old, so I'm ready for this conversation. I'm ready for this. Um, I'm here to talk about the Pokemon. So, like, if that's it, it doesn't matter if it's dumb, if you think it's dumb. You know, they're passionate about something. Do I like anime? No, I don't. All right? I don't understand it at all. It looks like bad cartoons to me. But um, it was like Pixar without money. But, like, if they're into it, they're into it. And let's explore it at least a little bit. Because what we don't want to do is what you mentioned in your question is we don't want to be like, oh, you like that, man? Only nerds and jerks like that are only like, you know, wow, you've just ruined your ministry. Just retire. Um, so and then how frequently should you meet with someone? That's going to vary depending, that's going to vary depending on the size of your group. Okay. Um, now, you can overdo it. All right. I definitely overdid it when I came back from YLT and was like, I'm doing this one-on-one thing. I'm going hardcore. I was like, I'm meeting with every student every week. Like, um, but at that point, I had 16 male students in my youth group, like 16. So let's just think about that for a second, okay? If I meet with, if, if, I, have a, um, if I have a one-on-one with, uh, with every one of those boys once a month. Okay. 16 one-on-ones in a month. Okay. There's about four weeks in a month. That's four a week. That's a lot. Okay. Cause they're hard. Remember what I said, but they're hard to schedule. All right. Like, cause you got to line up their schedule. Sometimes they're like, I, I'll, I can meet you. I can't meet you Tuesday. Can we meet Wednesday? So you got to be a little bit flexible with them. You know what I mean? Cause you're working around them. So don't, you can't overdo it. Please don't underdo it. Please, like, I th- that's the whole point of this class is don't underdo it. This is the most important thing in ministry, but um, you can overdo it. However big your group is, is going to determine, like, how frequently you can meet with someone. You want to meet with people who are going through stuff probably a little more regularly. You might take a grade or a, or a, a couple of grades and be like, you know, the next three months, I want to try to meet with all those people in that grade. Uh, you can, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. You just got to do it. Um, but you have to decide yourself um, what is best for you. I think that that is everything. It is perfect. Um, okay. We got done a lot faster than I thought we were going to get done. I'm really excited about that. But does anyone have any questions? Oh man, here we go. Willis, I knew you were coming back to me. So, uh, thinking about volunteer leaders. And Ooh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I I think that you need to know how to do a good one-on-one before you do. Like, you know, y'all, y'all had to do a lot of philosophy and ministry this this week. Like, um, you're probably sick of that. But did they go over TDOEE with you guys? Um, I don't even know what all those words mean, but I know how to do what it... What it the, I know the idea behind it. Um, you definitely want to TDOEE one-on-ones <laughs> as best you can to... Um, To whoever you're going to deploy to do one-on-ones we don't ask our volunteers to do one-on-ones although sometimes of their own volition in our church they'll be like i'll have mom uh you know a small group leader or uh you know say like oh yeah well i had breakfast with so and so just to check in on them which is wonderful um those are typically our more that they're the ones who need to be teaching me how to do one-on-ones not the other way around but you don't want to ask someone to do something that they can't do So, you gotta teach them how to do it. And it takes time to get good at it. I'm good at it now, all right? I one on one people the whole week when I'm here, all right? We're driving to the restaurant, and I can tell you about Eric and Alex and all these different guys that I've met and like where they're from and what, like, because it's just something that now, now it's just something that I do. That's what I do. Like, I just one on one people, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's what, like, but when I first started out, I was asking yes no questions and giving a bunch of advice and talking a bunch and always having to tell my stupid stories and like um so you got you have to you can deploy your volunteers and your staff you definitely should deploy them um especially if you have a bigger group you're going to need them to do that um you just got to delegate some of that but you got to prepare them to do that all right you got to prepare them to uh to do you got to, you got to make sure that they're ready to do it so that they're not doing more damage than than good um, that's a really good question, though, Willis. Yes. Uh, not Ben. Not been Christian. And you're Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And you're Baptist, too, aren't you? Okay. Let's what? go! <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: what's the best time or place to get into a one on one? See, we we're able to get the schools and everything. Oh, yeah. It's hard to have intimate one on ones in the school because it's super. Oh, no, not, no. No.
0: No. Breakfast, baby. Breakfast is the place, especially for guys. Yeah. It's the time. They love to eat breakfast. Yeah. We have a place really close to two of the big schools that we um, that compose a lot of our students. It's called Chappie's, and they know me there. Um, and it's uh, breakfast is, for boys, breakfast, I mean, it's good for girls, too. But, like, for boys, because a lot of boys, if they play football, yeah. like, they really just play football. They go home. They Text someone to give them the answers to the homework and then they go to bed. So the um, or they FaceTime their girlfriend or they Netflix some stupid show but like so breakfast is key um, and it, like I, um, older students lots of schools let them have off periods and you can meet them for lunch that's kind of fun. Um, uh, and those students you don't have to figure out how to do the rides for, but their parents are already taking them to school, so that, like, their parents would love to be like, if it's like a junior high boy, their mom or dad would love to be like, oh, well Christian's taking me to breakfast today, can you drop me off there? And then he'll drop me off at school. Oh man, the mom would be like, uh, yes, like, (laughs) let's go. So, breakfast is, breakfast is clutch, because lunch, Lunch is for senior pastors, all right? Um, <laughs> 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 lunch is for senior pastors. Although, I will say, I have noticed that in some schools, like, you can go to the school and they have, like, a section where, like, parents or, you, or ministers or people can, can just eat one-on-one with people, and you can do that if you want to. It's a really short lunch, and it can be kind of tough. It's not ideal. Um, and if they don't play a sport after school, like if, or maybe they just play a spring sport or, or they just play a, sp- a fall sport, um, one thing that you can do, if, especially if they're in junior high, um, is you can be like, talk to their mom or their dad and be like, hey, could I pick him, maybe he typically goes home after school, but can I pick him up after school and we're going to go Um, shoot basketball for a minute or you can even take him home and just shoot basketball in his driveway if you want and you just do your one-on-one there. Um, So you you figure that out for yourself and also when I say that I'm talking about giving kids rides protect yourself there and whatever we all have our own careers and our careers can be thrown away at any moment and not even for real things sometimes although oftentimes for real things Um, but just I'll gamble with my career and you gamble with yours, with your, you know, with your, so with your ministry life. So, but, so be careful about that. But breakfast is like where I get, it's, it's the place to be. So, um, that's a really good question though. Hey. Okay, it's a good question. I almost didn't mention this when I was talking about gossip, but like in that particular situation, one thing that you have got to consider is like, we don't want to be tattletales too. Like we, what we want to hear whenever we talk to our kids is we want to hear, that's exactly what my mom or dad would say. That's like gold for us. Okay, like when that happens, we're like, cha-ching, write the check, I'm here. Like, but if... Um, In that situation, you're like, all right, well, what's what's your goal? Let's think about what your goal might be for that student. Well, the first thing the first goal is you want that student to be able to tell her parents about that. All right, as frightening as that sounds, that's the goal. All right, because look, what are we trying to make? All right, we're trying to make Christians, right? We're trying to make we're trying to like make Christians and Christians are not people like, I'm not a Christian because I have someone watching me all the time, and when I mess up, they force me to um, go and confess. No, I'm a Christian because I confess. I have to have agency over my own confession and over my own repentance, right? I have to have, repent, I have to have, and I have to do it, all right? It's not really confession, it's not really repentance, it's not really forgiveness if someone's making me do it, all right? So, in this situation, what you gotta ask yourself is this How can I convince this girl? That the best thing for her life is to tell her parents that she's in a compromised relationship with her boyfriend. Isn't that my first goal? Because I feel like my first goal would be because her parents' solution for that was to put her on birth control. And so, oh my. Yeah. Well, so, I I, you know, all right, so I was going yeah. from the I was going I was going from the presumption that this was someone in your church and that their parents were Christians.
1: No, oh, they go to church regularly, but they don't know
0: Jesus. Okay, fair know. enough. So, so they Yeah. Well, okay. That's a little more fundamental. That's good. All right. So I made some presumptions I shouldn't have there. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've got to talk to her about why, why that is bad. Okay. Like why sex before marriage is just writing an emotional check, um, that you, you can't cash. Um, and why it's just, it's just going to, it's just going to hurt her. So we've got to get her to understand that. All right. Um, but we also have to give her some kind of support that will help her, you know, make those decisions. And maybe that support is you. Obviously, I guess it's not going to come from the parents. which that is just super disturbing. But um, I know it's really common, too. So I'm sure it happens in Montgomery. But, um, but yeah, you know, like we, yeah, you have to do all that. Um, And that's a hard thing. Um, And you're probably going to have to talk about that a lot. Like that's not go. that's a pretty big deal. And it's probably not, you're probably not going to talk about what she's watching on Netflix very much when you have your one-on-ones anymore. And, um, and, uh, but you, you don't have to make that your whole conversation because that's not her whole life too. Right. So, but you can't, like the next time you meet with her, you can talk about all kinds of things, but you can't end the conversation without talking about that right? Because you have to say to her, you have to say, well, the last time that we talked, you know, we talked about you and your boyfriend, and I've just got to ask you how that's going, and I, you know, what, what's happening there? Do you feel like that's something that can continue, and, and you be healthy, and really follow Christ? Like, you, you've got to explore that some. And then, that's a situation where then, like, it's turning from a one-on-one into, like, almost evangelism. If this girl is not a Christian, and it's a discipleship if, if she is a Christian. So, um... Is the boyfriend a Christian? Okay. Yeah. A yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I know. Do you have a
1: shepherding team at your church? We do, but she doesn't come to our church. She just comes to, come to our youth group. She goes to another church. Oh, yeah.
0: Church. She because her friends her. Her. Yeah, yeah. It's a complicated... It's a huge mess. Yeah. yeah. It, See, it, you it, should it, never have a one-on-one one, 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 one with her. <laughs> Don't love people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, um, no.
1: Question,
0: hey, yeah. no. It, it's a, a great question to ask someone. Is if you could stop one thing in your life, what would you stop? And if you could start one thing in your life, what would you start? Like that's a great question to ask about everything. Like if your church would stop doing one thing and start doing one thing, what would you choose? Um, here, man. One question that I ask um, new, in my new member view always is like if they're in 10th grade, I'll say since you were in 7th grade, uh, typically I've already asked them when they were converted or when they became a Christian or when they felt like they were really trusting Jesus. And it's typically it's pretty young. Um, but i always say since 7th grade, how has Jesus changed your life from 10th grade? If you could go back, you know, if you could, a great question to ask students, by the way, like if they're a senior or a junior and you're having a one-on-one, is like if we could go back in time right now and get ten minutes with ninth grade you, what would you tell ninth grade you? Man, the qu- answers you'll get to that questions will tell you so much about those students, so much. Like when I start asking that question, but yeah, like that—that's a great way to frame it. Um, is to say like, how is Jesus changing your life? Because sometimes the answer is going to be he's not because I'm not walking with him. Um, and, but um, how do you set bound? When you say you want to set a boundary. Like, do you mean you don't want to talk about that anymore, or? I think there's become, like, a comfortability talking about it. Oh, like, it's happen. just, you've, no, like, oh, yes, like she gets, yeah. yeah. Like, like she, she thinks, thinks you're fine with it. Like, yes. Oh. Yeah, like. Yeah, like, see. sacred,
1: like, ness of it. Like, it's just not there for her anymore, because, we, you know, she's
0: okay talking about it. like. Yeah, see, that's problematic. Um, And that's one of those things where, like, you have to establish who you are to her, a little bit, in a little bit bolder terms, that you're not her friend, um, that, you know, she's got friends. Her friends are more than happy to let her do that. But, you know, think of it like you're, I'm dangerous to call a woman a dog ever, but you're like a sheep dog, okay? Like, you are, because the sheep are dumb, and they think the sheep dog is just another sheep. But the truth about the sheep dog is that it's stronger and faster and smarter than the sheep. And so it tells the sheep where to go and it protects the sheep. And that's what you are to these girls, right? Because they might be smarter than you. That might have like, you know, might be better at geometry, but they're not wiser, right? And they, they might be, um, they might be really spir- spiritually mature, but they're probably not as spir- spiritually mature as you are, right? Like, so you have that and she needs to know who you are. I think a little bit, because if she's super, if she's so easy talking about that, um, then that tells me that she doesn't really respect you the way that she needs to respect you. Um, or possibly she just thinks, well, this is what Christians do, which is, m- might be even more dangerous. Um, so you do, you do have some work to do there. That's a tough situation. But it's not an uncommon situation too. Are you about to say something? I have a different question. Okay, go for it. So uh, if this is too big of a question, it is, but I'll try anyway. <laughs> so I come from a context where one-on-ones are kind of taboo because they're terrified of what of the world, basically. Um, they're terrified that like someone's going to say, like, lie about an interaction we have in one-on-ones. And obviously, like, there's certain, like, protections mm-hmm. um, that I would take because I'm not an idiot and wouldn't, like, meet with a student behind closed doors, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there, like, point where I can like share with like these certain scared individuals on our session like one-on-ones are like what's the best way to like say like one-on-ones are like very valuable
1: here's why
0: like this is this the talk I did in 2015 on this is on YouTube and this sounds like I'm tooting my own horn but a lot of people come up to me and say like I listen to that all the time to remind myself how important they are um and um uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to find it on YouTube, but someone came up to me today and was like, I make all my volunteers listen to that, which is humbling. Um, but like, we cannot minister out of fear, right? Like, we can't let the world set the terms for how we minister. I mean, obviously bad things are going to happen because the church is filled with sinners, but we can't, that can't, I don't know anything that I do out of fear that really works out well for me, um, and the, you know we've been given a, a spirit not of fear, right? That's straight from the Bible, like straight from the scriptures. Is like we haven't been given a spirit of fear. So those are those are like those concerns are legitimate concerns, but you know if everyone in your church had a gluten allergy, you wouldn't say, well, the Lord's Supper's out. You know, you might just get gluten-free bread or find a different way to do it, but you wouldn't say, like, well, we just can't do it anymore. Um, So, I mean, I just, I I don't know. I don't know how you do youth ministry and not meet one-on-one, because I tried it, and it didn't really work. And when I started doing it, then it worked. So I'm just, I'm in on it. Uh, I know that doesn't really help you a lot. I'm sorry.
1: No. Somebody this week said something about every church has to address... Yeah. There might be some trauma. I don't know if there is, but there might be some trauma with your church. So like, you you do. It's a little bit different than fear. It's actually pain
0: Mm. that they're. It's a loss that has to be mourned. Mm
1: -hmm. And so, you really might not. It really might not be good for you to do a bunch of one-on-ones. Or come up with some other way to do it. Set up, train the parents how to do one-on-ones, or train peers how to do one-on-ones, or Mm. something. If, if that trauma
0: is, is present. Man, even, even that, like... Can, I, can we explore that for just one second? Yeah. I, I don't want to... You're smarter than me. I can tell just by the way you talk. So I, I do not want to argue with you, but I do want to ask you a question about that. So I went to a church where the senior pastor had an affair and um, left his wife, and the woman he was having an affair with left her husband, and, like, it really wrecked the church. Um, this is back before I was a minister. Um, like, some real trauma happened. Like, but they still hired another senior pastor. And it was still a guy, you know, who was married and could have an affair. Um, like, at some point, like, yeah, that was a huge trauma. But, like... You know what I mean? Like if someone, I, I know i all right, I'm going to be ridiculous. Can I be ridiculous now? Because that's all. Yeah, but like, I know most, probably a lot of the churches here don't do like full immersion baptism, but you know, if someone drowned when we baptize someone, like would, would we quit baptizing people, like I, I don't, like it just, that is, talk me through that for a second.
1: So last night I was talking with a friend and I said what you said. Uh, God has given us not a spirit of fear. Yeah. Like we, we can't act out of fear. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Yeah. And He said, "But you're forgetting Shrewd as a viper." Yeah. Like we, you know, the, all of the Scripture. It sometimes I do that. I cherry. My pastor is basically calling me on cherry picking Scripture, and it's a wisdom decision. Sure. Likely, you know. So in that case. It, would, it wouldn't be you don't have a senior pastor because the last one don't on his wife. Mm. It would be you're aware that people are going to be nervous. Yeah. About, like the, the personality type of the pastor you hire might be different. Yeah. And that's going to impact the way that he ministers mm. to the congregation. It's going to feel different to them. So as a, as a body of local believers, we need to be aware of how that's going to impact our ministry
0: as a people. Um that's a good word. Uh are there any other questions? I do want to yes.
1: One of the things that's difficult is your teaching is believing us and I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like senior pastor wouldn't not have it, one on one would not have it. I think for a lot of people though, it's more like you're saying baptism giant it's more like we had candles up and we used live candles and we Candles. candles. Yeah.
0: Really yeah.
1: And so, I think part of the struggle is, like, when you have had real trauma, yeah. convince people that you need to have a lit candle is a really important and difficult thing. Yeah. To think going on. Yeah. I think so along with that is yeah. the
0: training and the equipment of the
1: necessity of it, along with the reality that if there has been a serious trauma
0: that needs to be worked on, you can't just say, hey, we need to do this. Yeah. So What do you what do you mean by being creative? Well kinda like you were saying, um, you're not gonna just lock yourself in a room one on one with somebody. But uh, never yeah. But I mean, do you even go off campus? Maybe you start on campus. Maybe you start Oh like they all happen at church? Yeah, maybe you start like outside in the parking lot yeah, walking around I mean, you or start yeah.
1: there and then you move off as people begin to trust that,
0: you yeah. Move off campus some okay. Type, I don't know. Okay, that makes sense. Just That's like, good. Think outside the box. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Our middle schoolers start school at seven forty-five. Hey, yeah. Breakfast is out. Oh wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, I, d- I completely disagree with you. Six
1: forty-five breakfast. Six thirty Well,
0: except. Absolutely. That, except that I gotta get my kids to school. Oh well, see. Bar. Yeah. Um. So, but I mean, there are tons of ways to be creative with that. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you just have to. Um. Differently. <laughs> yes, sir. What do you do for like?
1: He's never been there, but he, i mean, you know physically, he's physically there, but not mentally.
0: Yeah. But he's checking out, and you try to—you know—I try to set up a time with him, talk with him. He's avoiding it. Yeah. You know, and you can just tell him or me. to meet. I but, mean, do you? I think you still got to pursue him. Yeah, I know. That's and, I mean, God's call you are you are the person that God's called to pursue him. It might not be fun. I've done those one-on-ones. Several of them, actually, um, and.
1: He moved there a year ago, and he didn't want to move. Yeah but
0: that's why it's so important when you start one-on-ones to talk about them and get them talking about themselves because you know what everyone's favorite topic is? Me. Me is such a fun topic. All right. Like, and even if they don't like you, they like them. They they like me. And uh, so like, I'll just talk about me. And so like, maybe that's the way that you like get his, and maybe, maybe you keep it like, you keep the spiritual part of it real succinct at the end. You'd be like, Hey, listen, I'm Pastor, I want to pray for you. Can, I tell, can you just give me one thing or two things to pray for you this week? And the next time we meet, I just want to have let you know that I prayed for him. And you know, like, and you just, but, and maybe, so maybe, and maybe he's been, I mean, there's, there could be a million different possibilities, but, but like, but I think you still have to go after him because they avoid me too. Um, it's not, and you, you cannot take it personal when they bail on you. You cannot take it personal because most of the time they just forgot or something happened. You know, like, look, if they bail on you, if you're supposed to meet someone for breakfast, this has happened to me multiple times in the last, in in December, this happened to me, and in January, like, three times. Supposed to meet a guy for breakfast, 6.30, I'm at the restaurant, I get a text, my alarm, I forgot to set my alarm, I just woke up. You know, so you know what I do? I just eat breakfast on the church card and I go to work. Um, You know what I mean? And you know what, that's a little gift for me, like, Um, uh, and that's, you know, that's fine. Like, but I don't, you know what? And then I just try to reschedule it with them. But do not take it personally if they do not take it personally. It's not personal. And can I say one more thing? I know there's another question, but I also want to say this, it's very important. You will never out baptist the Baptist and you will never um sorry. And um they uh <laughs> you will never like or you'll never you can't spend more money than that cool non denom down the road. Like the you, you they're gonna always have more money. You cannot be more fun than young life, all right? It's not gonna happen. I mean they don't talk about sin, so they're super fun and um <laughs> so you can keep that on the recording. Um, <laughs> this is the thing that can make, be the hallmark of your ministry. This is it. And you know what? You can do it. All right? You're already equipped to do this. You can do it, and it can be the hallmark of your ministry. And you know what? A lot of ministries don't do this, you know, and it's, they're the worst for it, all right? And so I just, like, that... You know, I was at a very small Presbyterian church in a town dominated by Baptists and Methodists, and I started doing one-on-ones, and all my kids started inviting other people to church, all of them. I don't invite kids to church. It's my policy that I never invite a student to church. You know why? Because it's creepy for me to invite a student to church. All right, I walk up to some high school girl and be like, "Come to my house Sunday night for fellowship." They're like, "Who are you?" I want my students to invite their friends. All right, and the only way that happens is if they are receiving the Spirit. If the Spirit is working in their lives and Christ is working in their life, and the main way that I've seen it happens to one-on-ones. What was your question? Uh, we have, this is a really good question. Go for it. Do you mean gender identity? Or like, no, oh, like whether she's, she whether, she's a lesbian, okay. Wow. It really Oh absolutely. But obviously there's some confusion there as well. Mm-hmm. So she's not her, all her is She's the only one that comes, but she comes faithfully every um, Well that, that's a good sign. It means there's something happening here. I mm-hmm. think misunderstands what scripture says about homosexuality and so I guess we're just confused like obviously I would be more likely to meet with her on one on one as opposed to Christian. Yeah. is that something we tackle together? Do we, you know? No, I think I think it's fine for you to meet with her one on one and I um I think I think that's fine. I think um um I you you're exactly who I who I would want like you're you're the exact person that needs to talk with her about that but again just like with her situation she needs to know who you are and maybe she just hasn't like I mean some of these kids are like I'm not saying this particular girl is but some of these kids are pretty oblivious about things okay like and they're so self-centered they're so caught up in what else is going on you know it's like who was the you know, homecoming queen or whatever. It's like no one cares about that anymore. Like, wear your letter jacket now and just watch me make fun of you. But like, um, like but to them it's just at that moment, everything is just so and they don't sometimes they just miss things. And I think it would be really beneficial for you to talk with her about what your church believes, about what the Bible says about that particularly. And I think it'd be really good for you to say, and That said, we want you to be here. Um, We want you to be here, but understand this is what we believe. And we love, again, we never want to divorce mercy and truth. Like, we love you and we are here for you. Also, this is the truth of God's word, which is, this is what God has designed you this, like, and designed all of humanity to live this way. Um, This is the best, this is the operating system we are designed to run on. I mean, I don't even think. I don't even think. I'm not sure if we're get started with that yeah, I don't even think you. I don't even think you have to. Ta- I don't even think you have to take the sexuality sexuality issue first. I think maybe another question to ask her is like, do you do you like scaring people or shocking people? Um, what what do you get out of that? Like, are you someone who likes to? Um, did you, when you were little, did you ever like sneak up on your brothers or sisters and scare them? Like, um, and you know, I, I want to explore that part of her personality a little bit, too, um, just because you, of what you said about how she shocks people. Um, but, you know, there's something to be said about gentleness there. Like, before we even get to the sexuality issue, there's, there's an issue there of, like, if you're just saying things to get to rile people up and to aggravate people and to stir the pot, like, that's, that's like, let's talk about one of the fruits of the Spirit of Christ is that we're gentle with one another. Yes ma'am. If you want me in. Yeah, I would love for you to jump in. <laughs> a lot of times, um, I actually I'm here as a leader and as a mom and I have a team who says things to shock us all the time. And what I have found out initially I used to just get mad and yell and talk about them and all
1: that stuff. So that's <laughs> usually just cry for elk. She's daring me to explain to her what she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Well, like could she tried to open like open up that conversation mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. but she just shut it down. Like She
0: was like, I rather not talk about it. Yeah. So that, it's kind of one of those things. So it's not like it was him as a guy. She needs you and for sure goes to And sometimes, sometimes people say things, shock you to see if you'll run away. Yeah, okay. To see if you'll like, they they like, maybe someone has like let them down in, in the past and like, and so that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, it's 11.18. I said we were going to get done early and we didn't, so I really apologize for that. Um, Thank you guys. Can we pray before we close? I think we should. Uh, Lord, who's sufficient for such things? Um, Only you can stand on the holy hill. Um, You are the one who uh, achieves the victory. Uh, You are uh, the king who comes and slays the giant. We're the scared soldiers hiding um, and cowering in fear. And so... We pray that you would um, we pray that you would use us, um, we are you know broken instruments, Lord, but that you would use us, um, that you would tune us and with us you might um, play a song of salvation um, and that we would I pray for these just for these people as they leave that you'd give them safe travel, and also Lord, that you would um, that you would just use them in the lives of the young men and women that you've um, put in their context. Um, I I pray all this in Christ's name and forsaken in his name. Amen.